0: I totally believe if people don't have consistent prayer lives, they should quit working for the church. They are an obstacle to grace, not uh not, not a vehicle of it. Welcome everyone to every knee shall bow, your weekly Catholic podcast on evangelization. My name is Mike Gormley, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Dave the Chainbreaker Van Vickle. How you doing, Dave? Oh, I love that one. I'm good. Yeah. Chainbreaker. Hey, we... Chainbreaker. I knew you'd like it. I'm good. Hey, you know
1: what? Uh, At my parish right now, we are in the midst of our Lenten mission, and we have Bob Rice. Oh, so good. Love Bob. Yeah, it it is so good. He has, like, this mission about St. Peter that is, like, fantastic, and it... Uh, you know, we had a good crowd last night, but I think we'll double the crowd tonight because it was so good. He, he's like amazing. At yeah. What he does. Yeah.
0: I love him. I had him, I audited the only class I've ever audited at Franciscan was his first class on youth ministry methods. Oh man, it was brilliant. It went all the way from how to write a resume to apply to be a youth minister to like the theology behind it and everything. It was, it was incredible. I love that class.
1: Yeah. I, I took a lot of his classes. Um, just, I like kind of finished my like core classes early and took a lot of his just cause I knew who he was and what he was like. And, um, I mean, he's just like, every time, like I can be around him, I try to be, because he just is full of wisdom. Like he's been evangelizing for so long and just, you know, knows how to navigate, you know, evangelizing within the church and professionally and all these kinds of things. So he is fantastic. I highly recommend, uh, churches out there
0: if you're looking for a mission speaker bob is fantastic he's a good guy he's a good guy so what we want to do today uh is talk about all the questions that we've received we want to try to get through as many of them as possible and these questions are intense some of them deeply deeply personal so i know those out there you've written into us and you've let us know that uh this show has been very meaningful for you Thank you so much. Um, I know that parishes are listening to this. uh, Parish councils, um, DREs have written to us saying that they're following us. So my hope for you is that this can become an excellent platform to expand the conversation on evangelization. But we also know a lot of parishioners out there. You got you're hurting because of family members and neighbors and you just don't know what to do. So we have a ton of questions that uh, my fear is it's going to happen is I'm just going to get hooked up on one question and just talk and talk and talk. So we don't have all the answers, but we do have most of them and we're going to give them to you today. That's 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 a bold claim. A little bit nerve wracking. So, yeah, let's get in bold like my coffee. my
1: friend. Bold like my coffee. Let's get it. Let's get into these questions, because I think I think even though. They're very specific. I think a lot of people have been in these situations.
0: Yes, absolutely. So, why don't you start us off?
1: Okay, so this first one is actually from a friend of mine. He works here in the Diocese of Pittsburgh. His name's Nick Sharapa, and he is a rock star here in the Diocese. His brother's a priest, and he's blowing it up here, too. He's like just a fantastic preacher and everything. These guys are really great evangelists, and they're seriously. They're seriously attuned to evangelization. I mean, that's what their life is, you know, is really. And so uh, he wrote it, and he, you know, said he loves the podcast, but he had he had a very specific situation happen the other night. And actually, when he first wrote it, I was like, uh, I'm going to leave this one to go, but uh, because it's such a it's such a rough situation. But I've been thinking about it for about a week now. Okay, and he, this is what he said. He was in line at the grocery. It was a little bit later. It was like 9 p.m and when he was checking out he just felt like you know the spirit was nudging him to speak to the person behind him and which is you know something that will start to happen when you're looking for these situations you know so he just happened to look up and he saw a young woman checking out with one item one single item and it was a pack of plan b birth control medication the uh the morning after pill i think is what like the popular language right yeah. okay uh he was stunned and he didn't know how to engage her then as he was asking the spirit for courage, her boyfriend joined her in line. That more complicated the situation. He said he was too afraid to confront her or even engage her, and he just left and felt so sad. And so he is asking, like, what would we have done in those situations? And what should have come out of his mouth first? You know, these kinds of things. Uh, and I'll go ahead and give my answers. And, and I just want to say this is like – this is like not an easy situation, even for a really accomplished evangelist. This is not an easy situation at all. Um, and it's the kind of situation that you just kind of cringe at because you're really in not in a great position here. Okay. Uh, what I would have said, what I would say, first of all, is this, okay. I want to say, I'm not a hundred percent sure that I would have engaged them. I I am. I'm not a hundred percent sure I would have, I would have had to have been very clear right, that God was setting up this situation. And remember that sometimes God puts people in your life. It's it's not always to engage them. Sometimes it's for prayer. Although, you know, if you felt like God wanted you to, then that's possible too. And I would have definitely ignored completely what was in her hand. I would not have brought that up. So there would be no confrontation at all. And I might have tried to start a conversation with them about something else and end it with something you know, meaningful to them. For instance, I I might've started a conversation about something else, like something mundane could be the weather, could be anything like that. But I would have ended with, you know, I just want you to know that if I felt like God was telling me to speak to you and that whatever's going on in your life, he's there and he wants to be a part of it. And you know, he's calling you to a relationship, something like that. Uh, and then I would have left it at that and just prayed, 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 prayed. Um, and that's if I would have engaged them. So I, I don't know that there's really a great answer here. I definitely think it would be tough for most people to bring up the fact that they saw what was in her hand and to tell them, you know, uh, to in, in some fruitful way to try and engage them on that conversation. But what, what do you think, Omer?
0: Uh, I think, number one, your first insight is absolutely key that this is a prompting first and foremost for prayer. Yeah. So I think it would be cool if everyone, you just pause the podcast and say a quick prayer for this young woman. Oh, yeah. And her boyfriend. So let's just do that right now. Yeah, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we ask that you intercede for this woman, that you pour forth the grace of the power of your Holy Spirit into our lives, that you reveal your face and grace to her in these moments, um, that you be with uh, any unborn child that she might actually be carrying. Heavenly Father, we know that uh, our culture has taken young women and churned them up, um, demanding horrible sacrifices of their life and their worth and their dignity. So please, Heavenly Father, with your dignity won for us by the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, just begin to work in her heart to be open to your mercy. In Jesus' matchless name we pray. Amen. Amen. Um, the other thing I would say is uh, one of the things that when it comes to evangelization that we always have to give caution is, you know, you, Dave, you were the one that initiated me into the world of sidewalk, pro-life yeah. sidewalk counseling. Right. Um, I remember the first time I ever even attended a Franciscan event. I was in, uh, uh, I was a freshman in college. I went to the, one of the Pittsburgh abortion clinics that was notorious. And I remember watching the first time I ever saw a woman walk into the abortion clinic. She was being shoved by her mother and father. She was in tears. She clearly didn't want to go. I fell on my knees sobbing hysterically. I did not have the moral fortitude to do it, so what I mean by this is certain issues, especially like pro life stuff, get can easily set our nerves on fire, our blood boiling. You know, there are certain political issues that we that might affect us emotionally before they affect us rationally um, and so that's why I like seeing someone with the morning after pill, plan B, whatever um could ignite a conversation that could go poorly very quickly. Like, I, I mean, I've known, you know, the, uh, you know, why are you going to murder your baby? Or, you know, like, right, right. there are a lot of things that you could say, you know, but one of those things that I have found is very effective is that if you feel that prompting of the Holy Spirit and you're sure about it, to walk over and if you're going to say anything, just say, hey, uh, hey, everyone, like, don't, like you just said, don't even acknowledge it, just say, I just wanted you to know, um, I feel like God told me to tell you that he loves you both. And just, you know, and that's it. And just because, um, the prompting, as far as we know, didn't say go and rebuke, go and you know, like whatever, but we do believe in actual grace that God intervenes in our daily lives. Right. And so this prompting of the Holy spirit could have been, um, to pray. Well, it, we know for a fact it was to prayer, but on top of that, I, I would say, um, doing something like that, just saying that God loves you c- could just be the beginning. You're sowing the seed. So, um. Uh, the other thing I would caution is, I think sometimes we as evangelists become obsessed with outcomes, and this might be a thing that you hear in a refrain as we go through these questions, but some of these outcomes, we we so desire the conversion of our friends and and relatives and neighbors that we feel disappointed when the outcomes haven't happened. The success is in the evangelizing, right? It's not necessarily in the conversion. That's up to Jesus. One sows the seed, the other waters, God alone gives the growth. So, uh, yeah,
1: Yeah. Nick, keep, keep rocking it, man. You're doing a great job. And, uh, would that we would all feel the call to engage people in the line at the grocery be a different world.
0: Yeah. Okay. So we got our next question. Uh, someone writing us, Christina from Pittsburgh. I love her question because number one, she tells, she says that she finally reviewed it, uh, reviewed our show on iTunes.
1: Yay. We love you, Christina.
0: (laughs) Yes. I love it. She's so great. She's super passionate about her faith and about sharing her faith with her neighbors and she said that our shows helped ratchet that up but um she wants to talk about a couple different reasons why people don't go to church and uh she said that some of it is just laziness like they'll send their kids to ccd but they don't go to church and they say well it's just because we're lazy Uh, and she said i don't know what to say to a stupid answer like that when she says why don't you go to church um but she said, I guess I should appreciate their honesty. Another neighbor told me if she can't be a hundred percent in then she doesn't see any value in trying to make church work for their family. Again, an excuse. And it's hard not to say equally dumb things back. Like, and I love this line. Well, I guess you won't get 100% into (laughs) heaven one day. Not good evangelizing. Right? So her big thing is, uh, she says, I found the better, you know, someone, it tends to thwart these deeper conversations. Somehow you just forget to go there in your time with them. Uh, I cannot emphasize that enough. I, it is so true that, and, and this is why I think some of us have unevangelized families, even though we ourselves are evangelists, is it is so easy um, to talk about a million other things because we have those connections with them, um, that it, it, we can forget to actually propose the gospel. Now, I would say that someone who sends their kid to CCD right. and doesn't go to mass themselves they are, they are probably quite truly unevangelized. Um, this is the classic case of being sacramentalized without being evangelized. Now, we know the sacraments have grace and power given to them, but the capacity placed within them is inert. Like, they are not cooperating with the presence of the indwelling trinity. So, um, when I find this to people, um, the, my number one go-to thing is, and this is a part of the parish work, that I think needs to be present. Right. There needs to be some activity that people can be invited to that doesn't uh, that has a low barrier to entry that um, that doesn't, you know, it's not going to bash them over the head or whatever, but it focuses on the kerygma, on preaching the gospel whether it for me at my parish the number one thing that people recommend is go on an axe retreat. And while the barrier is a little bit high cuz you got to give up Thursday Thursday night, Friday, Saturday, and you come home Sunday afternoon um people do it and people are changed not everyone is magically transformed there's no magic bullet but um it, it it is it is pretty powerful how that can happen what do you think yeah i
1: i totally agree i think that uh, what your parish should be doing and i i'm not sure if she comes to my parish so i this is funny so cuz maybe i'm not the one doing it but uh your your parish needs to have an outreach to you know CCD families to you know the different families and they need to be able to immediately start to, uh, you know, I always go with like the liar, lunatic, or Lord. And it's like, if he's Lord, here are the consequences to that. And, uh, you know, kind of introducing that to the conversation that like, look, if he's Lord, then he's Lord. It's not that he's just this great guy. Like he is the Lord of our life and we don't just fit him in. We have to, you know, join him. We have to get into his life. It's not like that. Right. And so kind of starting to make those, uh, you know take those assumptions away that we make about god but also um i would say this that the vast majority of them even though you don't think this are are uncomfortable with their relationship with god yeah so so like the, i i would say like the vast majority of them do feel very much like you know that they're that it's not a good situation that they're in because in america there still is like that christian conscience and so, like it's a classic thing that a priest on like maybe on Christmas or Easter will say, "Oh well, it's a good, it's too bad we don't see you guys the rest of the year, and I just want to kind of wring his neck because <laughs> for so many people who are just there that day, they're literally thinking like, "Oh my gosh, he knows you know, like they know that I'm not good, like they already know you know, and so cooperating with that grace that you know they do feel uncomfortable with their relationship with God can help, but I also think uh." you know, kind of, and Gomer's talked about this before, like, you know, this idea of community, I'm never the community guy, it's usually Gomer, but um, if we live in some kind of intentional community with them, and if you're seriously living the Christian life, they are going to see a difference eventually uh, in the way you raise your kids and the way you work and the way you live your life and the decisions that you make. And in times when they're questioning their decisions, they're going to look to you. Um, So, you know, kind of be open for that uh, also pray, 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 pray. Remember you're praying for openness. I think laziness is probably one of the hardest things on earth to deal with. Um, and it's getting worse and worse, uh, you know, and, and again, it's, it's not even necessarily laziness. It's that they, they found that the church was lacking in some way, right? At some point they decided that this is what the church was and it didn't change their life and they were wrong, but that's what they, that's their experience. And so for them to see a changed life can help a lot.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And to be honest with you, um, in my own life, uh, I've found it difficult to have these conversations. But I do want to say the deeper you know someone, and, and we talk about this, right? Like if you haven't earned the right to be heard, you probably shouldn't be telling other people how to live their life. Yeah. But the deeper you have a relationship with someone, you begin to see the touch points of where you can bring Christ into their life. It's, um, but we, we do know that we don't want to jeopardize relationships by coming across as judgmental or anything like that. Um, so fasting and praying for our neighbors, um, you know, things like that is, is very powerful. Getting other people, you know, bring up the community, praying for an individual for their conversion. I mean, one of the beautiful things that I love about the focus model is that they are very intentional about who they are trying to win for Christ. And they literally write their names down. Right. And they pray for them. And uh, there, there's nothing that, that can stop us. That sounds almost like a take five. There's nothing that can stop us from going out and doing that. So, um, so yeah. And then uh, she has a follow-up question. And, Dave, I love this question. How can Mary, the Blessed Virgin Mary, help us be better evangelizers? And how can Mary enter the conversation to bring about conversion? Oh, I love Obviously, asking her in recession is huge. And that was one area I highlighted in my talk with our youth group. Can you two talk more about Mary's mission in evangelization? Yeah, right. Well,
1: first of all, remember right, that the uh, Annunciation is the model the church uses as the example for evangelization, the, the story of the Annunciation, right? That, that an angel preaches God's word to Mary, right? Mary assents to that word, and God becomes present within her, and then she communicates God to the world. So remember that first of all, just Mary's life. Is the example that the evangelist uses that that's what we do, right? We we meditate on God's word, we assent to it in our own life and even intellectually, and then we commune, and then God becomes more present within us, and we communicate God to the world. So just uh, they like church nerds call this annunciation pedagogy, right? That that just the the very mystery of the annunciation can teach us how to be better evangelists. But another thing that I do all the time is I. I consecrate people to Mary. So a lot people that I'm working with or that I'm, you know, like Gomer just said, I have their name on my list, right? I consecrate those people to Mary. And what, and what I say is this. In fact, I use Mary in consecrations all the time for spiritual warfare, for all kinds of different things. Uh, and what I'll say is, Mary, I'm going to do this Mary consecration. I know that it would be better if this person did it for themselves, but I also know, Mary, that you want them. You want them consecrated to you. And so I'm going to do this consecration, and I would ask that some of the merits be applied to them. And I think that you'll see a lot of things really help. Uh, a lot of things will really change if you start to use Marian consecrations
0: in that way. It's just another form of intercessory prayer. Absolutely, absolutely. And when we look at one of the most wonderful, there's a whole document by the church. One of the most wonderful documents of Pope John Paul is Redemptoris Mater on the Blessed Virgin Mary in the life of the pilgrim church in the life of the pilgrim church. And he starts off by saying, the mother of the redeemer, redemptoris mater, has a precise place in the plan of salvation for when the time, and this is brilliant, Galatians 4, 4 through 6, when the time had fully come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who are under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. There is a little charisma right there And not at the center of it. At the center of it is God and his saving work. But there is the woman, right? And I love talking about this because when you talk about spiritual warfare, um, you go back to Genesis, right? Right in the garden, right at the fall, the Proto-Evangelion, the first proclamation of the gospel is that there will be enmity between you and the woman, O serpent, right? And so the, the woman's offspring will crush the head. But it's always phrased in this context of the woman. You look in John. Jesus says, woman, what is this between you and me? My hour has not yet come at the wedding feast of Cana. Mary is the Stabat Mater, one of my favorite titles of Mary of the church or within the church, which means the standing mother there at the foot of the cross. And so what is her role? She journeyed with Jesus. She's the first and best disciple of Jesus Christ. That's how I I pitch Mary to, to evangelicals. She was the first person to say yes to Jesus, to his saving mission, and she was the best one to do it. So when you look at this, um, I would encourage you to read Redemptoris Mater, everyone out there. It is beautiful. It is wonderful. um, But the whole point is, what is Mary's role in the Pilgrim Church? And so um, when you think about that, she is the best disciple before she is full of grace. Uh, St. Stephen, the first martyr, was described as full of grace, right? That is our goal as disciples, to be so transformed and transfigured that we could be full of grace. So another way that she is, you know, she's the model, also, you know, obviously, but also um, in a little bit more active way, she's mama, right? She's mom. She. Uh, I remember I was talking with a man who was he. He was fine calling Mary the Queen of Heaven, which is I know a significant thing for Protestants to finally acquiesce to. And I said, okay, all of that. Is she your mother? Is she your mother? Is she your mother? She your mother? So. What does Mary, What's Mary's mission in evangelization? She wants people to be full of grace just as much as she is, right? Which means united a God forever in heaven. Um, and so I think she does take an active role. I just think sometimes we marginalize her because she might not be as central in the kerygma as maybe some super Mary fans want her to be. But even St. Paul in Galatians 4, 4 through 6 um, places her in there, right? Born of a woman, born under the law. Her role is integral to the mission of Christ, though not central, that would be Jesus Christ himself, so yeah, awesome all right so uh Dave, you got the question now? yeah, I have a new i the next one this is this is a cool one too
1: um and I'm actually anxious to hear your opinion and everything on this it, it's it's probably something we should have like a maybe we have like Sherry waddell on and have a conversation yes. about it because she's really good with this stuff too so he's uh says hi guys uh what are your go to questions? For leading a conversation with friends and family to being able to share the charisma, right uh yeah, how do you get these conversations deeper what are your go-to questions uh th- he says you know like biggest struggle in life do you do you have everything you want in life these kind of questions okay and so um here's what I'll say about those first questions that you bring up um so like a couple of years ago my wife decided that she wanted chickens. Okay. And I did not want these chickens because I knew that I would be taking care of chickens. I don't really love animals or anything like that. And of course, when we got these chickens, I ended up being the one who took care of these chickens. And one of the <laughs> things I'd have to do is get them in the coop at night. And it was a nightmare, right? So I learned basically that I would have to like go into the backyard and pretend like I wasn't doing anything to do with the chickens. Like, like literally purposefully walk away from them so it would put them at ease. And then I'd have to pounce on them. Okay. And so I know it sounds terrible, but that's kind of the way I approach evangelizing questions. Okay. That I start so far away from anything serious. and I slowly, very slowly lead into the more serious questions. So I definitely don't start with things like, what's your biggest struggle in life? Or do you have everything you want in life? Because immediately they're going to become a little bit shaky. Whoa, whoa, whoa. That's a, quick, that's a quick level of intimacy there. And so I usually very often use a technique called um, reverse mentoring, uh, which is where I find out something that they know about and I ask them a million questions about something that they know about. And I start to say things. And then eventually that question, there's going to be that point in the conversation where I can say, well, why did you get into this? You know, and usually it'll be something like, so for instance, like to, to the people I'm most proud of these young girls who were in high school, when I started to talk to them, I used to ask them for like music that I could work out to. And they'd be like, oh, they loved it, right? They loved telling this old man, right, that basically, to me, I was like ancient to them, right? Uh, like what kind of music to work out to and stuff like that. And so we <laughs> kind of started this conversation. And they, I'd be like, oh, why do you like this band? And we'd start talking. And, and I'd ask them deeper and deeper questions after that. And, uh, and it would get, you know, so there, there's like a level of intimacy there that you're ratcheting up a little bit more and more and more. And the person knows you're willing to put the time in. So I start real far away. But as far as like making that final transition into serious questions, um, I usually say things like what makes you the most happy in life? What are the things that make you the most fulfilled? What, w- what did you want to be when you were a kid and why is it different than what you're doing right now? Those kinds of things um, to really try and start to get to what is life about. And then um, usually there's a difference between what they thought life would be and what it is now. And that's where you can really get to the heart of things.
0: Um, all right, so next question we have is from Emily. Uh, Emily talks about her family, her extended family, is practicing to various degrees, mostly cafeteria Catholics, um, and she's struggling with some stuff. And what she's struggling with is especially long-distance evangelization of her members, uh, of her family members. So um, she has some cousins getting married, all baptized Catholics, but um, at least one of them will be getting married in a non-denominational church. Um, so here's a couple highlights. I've asked several priests how to handle attendance to weddings of lapsed Catholics getting married outside the church without a dispensation. One priest said it would be grave matter and not to go. The other one said it's a matter of prudence and I can go, but should avoid going if it causes scandal. So she tries to bring this up and talk about this with her parents and her brother, and it went terrible. And the brother announced that he has no intention of getting married in the church, and so she's gonna. So is she gonna refuse to go to his wedding too? And then the whole family's like, how dare you if it's going to hurt someone's feelings and just keep it to yourself. Then she said, I tried to talk about the sacrament of marriage, but at that point, everyone was too mad and hurt to hear it, and it all fell flat. And then she makes this great statement. She said, I know I made a big mistake in approaching a moral subject first as opposed to gauging their spiritual relationship with Jesus in the church. So I've dropped the subject and I've tried to reestablish a good relationship with my family, especially my brother, who's pretty angry about the abuse scandal and probably not ready to talk about Catholicism just yet. My biggest obstacle to evangelizing then, at least in my mind, is that I have a long-distance relationship with my brother, so we can't see the day-to-day challenges uh, changes, excuse me, living liturgically and being strong in faith in a faith community that it's had on her own life. So she does a ton of things to do it. She writes a weekly letter. Um, she has her parents. She does FaceTime conversations weekly and with her brother biweekly. She's doubled down on her prayer life, which she would say has been lacking. So how do we evangelize loved ones at a distance? Yeah. Or And and how do you evangelize Catholics who are angry uh, at the faith or who have no problems being a cafeteria Catholic, picking and choosing?
1: Yeah. Well, one thing, I mean, we should probably just start out by saying she's doing a really good job so far. Oh, yeah. I mean, like keeping up that kind of a relationship is – I mean, you are doing it right now, is what I would say. Are there things we can add? Sure. Are there things you can, you know, be careful about? Sure. But I would say, like, yeah, you. I mean, this is exactly what you do: is you do your very best to keep up that long-distance relationship, which is difficult to do. Yeah. Uh, So that, so that's good stuff, right? I mean, oh, absolutely, absolutely. I understand it's hard for them to see your life. It's hard for them to see a changed life, and so I think it's going to have to come across in your conversation that. Uh, little tiny hints about what's different in your life are going to go a long way. Um, and again, a lot of this is going to be waiting for the right opening when
0: they start asking questions. Don't you think, Omer? Oh, absolutely. The other thing to realize is again, with the outcomes, you are evangelizing. Okay. You are evangelizing. Don't be frustrated. We're all frustrated because it's family, but don't be so frustrated that. Um, that that bleeds into your work. You're doing good work. Um, So don't get obsessed with outcomes. You know, you sow the seed, another will water, God alone gives the growth. And that's what I want to point out. I would start praying that someone locally can begin to intervene. So I'd be asking God that he sends people around them into their lives that can speak to this. Um, Another thing that I want to talk about is just real quick. Is it, Is it, uh, there's some confusion with the priest. Is it a grave matter? Uh, Is it intrinsically evil? It's not intrinsically evil to attend a invalid wedding of a Catholic who's a lapsed Catholic, you know. It could cause scandal. So the second priest is actually correct. It is a matter of prudence. There's nothing in the code of canon law. People are shocked to find that out. There's nothing in the code of canon law about whether a Catholic can attend uh, an invalid marriage or whatever. Know that your presence might cause scandal, oh here's this big catholic and here they are at a non you know whatever but um at the same time at the same time um i would encourage you to keep doing what you're doing right the other thing would be when it comes to evangelizing people is figure out what they love and if it's good rally around that i tell people all the time one of the most natural ways to evangelize is do what you love like a hobby and just make sure you're inviting non-believers you 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 invest in their lives this is the part where investing in and because of the like the touchiness of the subject investing in their life might look different than just talking about church all the time because if you're the person who talks about church all the time they'll dismiss you as being a one-dimensional flat person who has no life other than this weird cult you belong to basically right so i w- i would like if they're into woodworking You know, say, hey, I got this wonderful book, Good, Clean, Fun by Nick Offerman. I thought you'd like it. I heard it was really funny or whatever. I just read that book and it's awesome. Um, You know, whatever it might be, like there are great things that we can do to rally around people, right, to figure out where they itch, right? That is a great way to evangelize, not just keeping it, not just keeping the conversation about the church, especially in this time where there's so much scandal that the church is literally pushing people away Um, by the poor example of her hierarchy, you, we lay people, and you know, faithful, obviously faithful clergy, but lay people devoutly living in the midst of scandal, I think, is going to kindle people coming back. Awesome.
1: So we have one more, one more that we're going to go through here, and this one's real interesting. It's getting into a topic that we have not. Yet, kind of gotten into yet, and uh, what we w- we do want to get into this, and that is about charisms. Okay, so we had a, a, a person write in, and they said they recently started listening to the podcast, and she kind of gives a little bit of a history. She's bounced all around, right? She's been Catholic, she's been. Pagan. She's uh, engaged in a lot of different pagan practices. She was a Calvinist for a while. Um, different things like that. Okay, and now you know she's just basically discerning like what is God's call on her life. And she has discerned that she has a gift of discernment, right? A charism of discernment. Now, for those of you listening out there, we'll do a show on charisms, but just a brief definition is that a charism is a free gift given by God for the building up of the church and the building up of the community, okay? And so, uh, you know, in Scripture he lists different charisms, but uh, a lot of things can be a charism. You could have a charism for hospitality, a charism for teaching, a charism for, you, you know, many different things. And what it means is that God is kind of working through you in a special way, okay? And so um, I can be hospitable, but I don't think I have a charism for hospitality, whereas someone who has a charism for hospitality, people feel just the love of God being communicated through that charism. And so what this woman's saying is that she feels that she has a charism for discernment and that she's actually called uh, to engage in some kind of spiritual warfare because of that gift of discernment, okay? Uh, And so I would say... There's a few things I, I have to I have to say about this, and then we'll get Gomer's take on it. Number one, a gift of discernment is is pretty rare. Okay, uh, all all Christians have some discernment. Okay, they they have all all Christians have some kind of discernment, but a charism of discernment that's really spot on is very rare. And in fact, I, I I'm pretty sure I've only ever met one person in my life that I thought really had it. Uh, and what it means is this that it, they're discerning between the work of the Holy Spirit, the work of uh uh, like the imagination and the work of evil spirits. Like you can kind of discern that what is, what is going on here. And it kind of manifests in many different ways. Um, so I would say it, it, it might not be rare, but it's rare that people would actually be able to, you know, use this gift and, and engage it and, and know, you know how to use it prudently. Um, so my first caution to you is this discernment is almost always for prayer. Discernment is almost always for prayer. So for instance, it's a common for me because of the work that I'm into, it's common for me to receive a phone call where someone says, you know, last night I was being prayed over by someone who has a gift of discernment and they said that I had an evil spirit and I can't sleep and I am feel so awful about it and I don't know what to do. Can you help me at all? Well, discernment even if you did discern something like that it would not be prudent to necessarily share that in every situation right you wouldn't just go around telling people that because number 1 it's pretty difficult to be that sure in your discernment and number 2 you don't know what this person's life is like that you could be really you know freaking them out in a serious way so my encouragement to you is first if you have the gift of discernment, what you want to do is double down on holiness, right? Become a saint. Become a saint. Saints use the charisms very 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 well. And uh God works through them through these charisms in a very prudent and great way. Uh and also to just be careful about what you share with people, right? This is for prayer really. So if God reveals something to you about someone or some situation, usually what he's saying is, I'd like you to pray for this in a special way, in a very targeted way. Uh, The other thing I would say is uh, the charism, you know, testing of a charism is ultimately left up to your local ordinary. So this uh, woman is real excited. She wants to engage in spiritual warfare, maybe even assist, you know, some people who uh, do it for the church. And sometimes charisms can cooperate with the hierarchy of the church. uh, But that should be affirmed, you know, that gift should be affirmed by your local ordinary, by your local bishop, which is difficult for that to happen. But God makes a way when he wants it to happen. So I think it's just, um, it's a great thing that you've discerned this new charism, and I believe in them fully, and I've seen them work, and I've seen how God works through them and every, every this, that, and which way. Uh, but you want to proceed, you know, just the way we always proceed, and that is through holiness,
0: uh, you know, I am a noob when it comes to a lot of these things. I mean, you attend exorcisms, for right? Crying out <laughs> loud! The only exorcisms I ever attend is the scrutiny rites <laughs> during Lent. Um, however, however, I will say that um, one of the dangers of our Catholic faith and really diving into it is this thing where we overly spiritualize stuff, right? Or our aspirations, we convince ourselves of our aspirations are reality. So, and I'm not saying this about you, but that is why we have people around us, like the books written by saints and their legacy, why we have a spiritual director, why we have spiritual friends and all that stuff, because they, they need to be mirrors to our lives and hold us accountable. I know one person who is very advanced in their personal prayer life, but they are hesitant to get a spiritual director because they feel like, well, he's just going to tell me everything I do wrong. And it's like, well, Okay, no, but also, don't you kind of want that? Right? (laughs) right. G.K. Chesterton had this great line where he said, I don't want a church that's right when I'm right. I want a church that's right when I'm wrong. And if you're doing something wrong and your fear is someone's going to point that out to you in a loving way, in a fatherly or motherly way, um, what you have is a bad case of pride, self-conceit, arrogance, insecurity in your relationship with Christ because you want to uproot pride. Pride will destroy your relationship with God, just as it did Adam and Eve, just as it did Satan, right? Like we want to banish pride. One of the ways to do that is spiritual community and especially spiritual directors and stuff like that. But she asked another question, Dave. She says something very important. She says, will you perhaps have a podcast episode about what to do when you realize you have a charism and how to go about preparing for it. When me and Dave originally sat down and came up with the, the pitch to Ascension for this, this podcast, season two, right, was all about spiritual warfare, charisms, all that stuff, uh, two and three. Um, and so living out from this place of realizing that there is a spiritual battle and we do have to be prepared for it, I think is, is very important. And that's why we emphasize prayer so much. We emphasize prayer so much, and I totally believe if people don't have consistent prayer lives, they should quit working for the church. They are an obstacle to grace, not uh, not, not a vehicle of it. Um, so thank you so much for writing in. All of you, uh, we keep getting emails from y'all, and so sometimes we don't immediately respond because we want to save them for an episode. So me and Dave are going to go back and say, Hey, thank you so much for writing in. We tried our best to answer your question on the upcoming episode. Right. I want to invite you to head on to iTunes Go to Every Knee Shall Bow and write a review if you think we deserve five stars so that other people can find the show and that we can beat Joel Osteen yet again. The constant number one winner. <laughs> We're coming for you, coming. Joel. We're coming for you, Joel. <laughs> Look over your shoulder. It's my face. <laughs> um, so, yes. And we are also within the show notes. Many of you don't know this, but we have show notes that um, the producers of our show, uh, they do such a great job. They take snippets They're of awesome. the show. They do all sorts of stuff. I'm going to include two links one to Redemptoris Mater, and to a blog called Canon Law Made Easy. And the question is, can I attend the marriage of a Catholic outside the church? Shoot us an email to eksb at ascensionpress.com, and maybe you'll find your question in one of our upcoming shows. We are starting with our take five. So, Dave, let's begin. All right, cool. I want you to take some time this week and reflect on
1: some questions that come up or situations that could come up that you know you're not ready to respond to in evangelization. So we had this awesome email uh, from Nick this week who said you know, that he saw this woman in line. She had that plan B medication. He just did not know what to do. All of us have those things. And to become a more well-rounded evangelist, we should start thinking about those situations. What would we do in those situations? So I want you to just make a, maybe just make a list and start to try and wrestle through this stuff. Maybe do a little research. Maybe talk to some friends who are evangelists. What would they do? Just kind of go through the scenarios and just try to become a more well-rounded evangelist by conquering those situations that you've been
0: hoping won't come up. Uh, number two, we had an amazing series of interviews with Jeff Cavins. You heard our show last week, and then he recorded us immediately following for his show called Meet My Friends on the Jeff Cavins Show, which is going to come out in a few weeks. And after we turned off our recorders, we just started just talking in general about evangelization. And Jeff said something that I wish was captured. He said one of the things that he does, he he's spent, divides up his reading time in thirds. One's about like a theological topic, one's about spiritual growth and development, or whatever, and then the other one is about some topic that is important in our culture that he needs to be conversant in, that he needs to have. It so amazing. Yeah, and he's like, you know, so you know, when the issue of gun control came up and all this stuff, and people are talking about guns, and in his neck of the woods, you know, he, uh, you know, whatever, uh, people are talking about. So he just researched guns, especially specific types. So he could have a conversation with the good old boys down the corner and speak Christ's life. He he did this like, <laughs> what was it, like five weeks in Louisiana? Yeah. And he was with this master chef who's also a Catholic, and they were c- talking about gumbo and stuff. So he prepared by reading a book, How to Cook the Best Pot of Gumbo or whatever, and he cooked his own and put it up against yeah. this master chef and the chef said this is excellent gumbo he had never cooked this stuff in his life so he does these things and then he was reading about the carnivore diet and he begins to have a conversation with the woman at this gumbo event who is the one that's like in charge of the usda um, angus beef certification process and she had never heard of the diet and so now he's having a conversation with her and he's like it starts off with this And then I, and she's, you know, I like tell her that I'm a writer and then I'll send her my books and guess what? You know, like, so Jeff does this in a very Jeff way because he is an author of Catholic books. How beautiful though, is that, that he so cares about people that he invests his own time in hitting these topics. So here is my Jeff Cavins inspired advice, study a hot topic so that you can speak to it with some authority. You're not going to be a master. You didn't go to grad school for this right? So that you can earn a place to evangelize in people's life. If you want to know what topics to study, I would recommend you do this. If you have Google or a YouTube account, sign out of all of that, and then go back to YouTube when you're not signed into anything, maybe clear your browser cookies or whatever, and let the YouTube engine tell you what's trending and popular, right? Because if 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 you let the algorithm, if like, if you have a Gmail account, it knows what YouTube videos you search and it'll custom tailor your homepage. But just see like what's popular. Go on Twitter and see what's trending. Although Twitter is a scary and sad place, you can go to these social media things and see what is popular. What's a hot topic? Yeah, that's awesome. That's so awesome. Number
1: three, you know, we always want to engage in intercessory prayer. And we had a, an email this week about you know one of the things about attending weddings you know that are outside of the church. And so uh, for our intercessory prayer campaign this week, I want you to. Everybody has someone in their life that's been married outside the church, right? Everybody. We all know some family member or friend, and I want you to just do a, an intercessory prayer campaign this week for them, just praying that God would work to bring them back into you know, full communion with the church like that and uh, to really just you know, pray for them intentionally because of this one thing that you know about them uh, in a special way.
0: Oh, absolutely, absolutely. So number four, uh, neighborhood rosary walk with your family or friends. Pray, 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 pray for your neighborhood. We want to create, I hate this phrase, but it's very applicable, sacred spaces. (laughs) And one of those sacred spaces should be your neighborhood, right? Let's sanctify our neighborhoods. Walk the sidewalks, walk the roads, and pray the rosary. You don't have to stop at everyone's house, and you don't got to be showy, right? We're just calling down the mercy of Christ, letting Mary lead the way in evangelization. So pray the rosary. You can invite your family to do it with you. You can have friends, you know, do it with you, or you can just do it by yourself in the morning for your neighbors.
1: Great. And number five, as Gomer said, we're going to have like a, almost a whole season on charisms, hopefully, you know, in the future. And, um, you know, we're anxious to talk about that, but you can start thinking about this idea of how do I contribute to the building up of the kingdom of heaven here on earth, right? Uh, how, how do I contribute to that? Uh, and that, you know, could be in many different ways. Like I want you to just start to think about one talent, gift, charism, one skill you have that you could put at the service of the church, at the service of evangelization, and really start to think about that, how that could play a role in the church. People approach me all the time and say, look, I'm really passionate about this and my life has been changed and I want to help other people. Here's my only talent. What could I do? And I have a hard job to try and figure out, OK, how can we put that at the service of the kingdom? Uh, but that's what I want you to do is just really discern one gift, talent, charism could be anything. It could be a good baker. You could be a good listener. You could be a good baby rocker. It doesn't matter what it is. Do something. Uh, start to think about that one thing that, you know, you're really good at that you could
0: contribute to uh, evangelization. Absolutely. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that's our take fives for the week. This has been Every Niche Shall Bow, your weekly Catholic podcast on evangelization. Thank you all for joining us. Let the questions come in. Email us at EKSB at AscensionPress.com. And maybe your question can be featured here on the show. Good deal. Uh, so my name is Mike Cornley. I'm joined once again by Dave Chainbreaker Van Bickle. Thank you all for being with us. God bless. God bless you all.